Chapter 15 of Ruffles and Danny, or The Responsibility of Ruffles, by Marjorie Watson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 15 My goody Blakes, Nancy Perry, whatever have you done? It was Eunice who saw her first. I didn't do it, Danny did it, grieved Nancy. Her finger went to her mouth and her eyes flashed defiance. She had come for sympathy, and met only the same amused, horrified, uncomplimentary stares. Dewey was the first to recover. Oh, that boy! In a tone of exasperation and despair. If he was mine, I'd just give him a good lickin', that's what I'd do. With rage in her heart, she started toward the golden-haired sinner with the face of an angel. But Nance had started down the street again, still in search of much-needed sympathy, and now she felt sure she would find it, for leisurely strolling along the road, swinging their tennis rackets with glowing cheeks, flying locks, and rather weary feet, came Ruth, Dorothea, Richard, Betty, and their friends, after a strenuous morning on the courts at the country club. Nancy had spied them. Dorothea was always ready with sympathy and comfort for her beloved niece, but Nance wasn't at all prepared for the shocking behavior of Dorothea's friends. Even Betty sat right down in a heap where she had stood by the side of the road. Nat Sterling scrambled up the nearest tree in pretended fright. As for Richard, he sprang to the top of a wall, wildly waving his hat and crying, "'To Humperty Dump with Yale!' and Ruth leaned against the wall and held her sides with laughing. Dorothea picked up the weeping forget-me-not, patted and soothed and whispered loving words, till Nance could get her breath to tell the story. Then Ruth became sober. I might have known the minute I saw her that Danny had a hand in it. However will we get it off? groaned Betty. Wash it, of course, volunteered Richard. What's the matter with going in bathing, all hands, and Nance can contribute a touch of glory to the occasion? We might as well get some fun out of the job. Come on, Nance, we'll soon fix you all right, propitiated Ronald, swinging her up to his broad shoulder. The rest of you can go, but it's up to me to punish Danny, since Dad's not at home, said Ruth with sober eyes. Oh, I say, the little chap didn't mean to do any harm. He didn't know it would be like that, interposed Richard with a grin. Let him off this time. But Ruth was firm. He's got to be taught somehow to stop and think. I don't know just how, but we've got to make an attempt at it anyway. You all go on and take a lease with you. Danny and I'll have it out together." Half an hour later, Danny was seated in the middle of his little white bed, arrayed in his nightclothes, his chubby, pink little feet drawn up under him sideways, his hands clasped, and his golden curls bobbing emphatically while he argued with Ruffles, who sat on the edge of the bed. "'I know, but Ruffles, when you're playing house, you has to do just what real peoples do. It's not naughty to have your hair shampooed.' No, Danny, but little children can't do just what grown-ups do. You should remember you're only playing. You should have made-believe shampoo and not use real water, and just pretend you had a bottle of hair tonic. 
after this remember not to use real water not ever ruffles not unless somebody older is with you and says you may oh dear seems to me everything you really wants to do is bad i just wish good was naughty and naughty was good i've sometimes wished that myself honey but it isn't so we have to make the best of it i will get your little french book danny and you can be saying over the names of the pictures to yourself here it is i will leave the door open and sit on the piazza at five o'clock dewey fixed a tempting though simple supper on a tray to carry up to poor little cap'n passing through the dining-room with it she spied the bean-blower where mr sanderson had laid it when he returned from motoring she hesitated then muttered to herself poor baby i guess he's punished enough i don't see why he shouldn't have this she had had time to get over her displeasure love quickly followed anger where danny was concerned so she carried it up with her hiding it until he had eaten heartily of the good food dewey i wants you to stay here urged danny when he had finished i can't little cap she replied with a snuggle under his chin to make him laugh i've got to get supper for your dad and miss ruth but which hand will you have she asked placing both hands behind her back a slow smile dawned on dewey's subdued little face what you got dewey he coaxed she held the bean blower high above her head tantalizingly danny sprang up with a shout and a scrimmage was on after the frolic dewey left danny comparatively happy and went down to her duties he was satisfied just at first to look at the bean-blower and handle it, and then suddenly it occurred to him that he wanted something to blow through it. He certainly couldn't get any beans upstairs, but he was a boy of great resources. He gazed about the room for an inspiration, spied some folded tissue paper, pattered across the room, secured it, and clambered back into bed. He tore off a small piece, made a little wad of it, moistened it in his mouth, then blew through the tin tube toward the ceiling. To his great surprise, it stuck there. Danny chuckled. That's a stunt, thought he. Another little wad followed the first. This one fell to the floor, and Danny looked disappointed, but not discouraged. The third and fourth stuck close by the first, and Danny settled down to business. Lying on his back, he peppered the ceiling till he tired of the sport, grew drowsy, and, with a sigh of content, closed his big brown eyes and drifted into dreamland. Coming in a half an hour later, for a good night talk, and to hear Danny say his prayers, Ruth looked in amazement at the ceiling, wondering if wasps had started to build a nest. She tiptoed over to the bed and looked long at the sleeping boy the picture of sweet innocence. Her heart glowed with love for the brother, and her artist's soul was filled with satisfaction for the perfection of his physical beauty. Is there anything in this world more beautiful than Danny asleep? Had the query actually been voiced and put to, well, say Richard, he might have looked into the depths of the questioning eyes of Danny's sister, their fringes lifted from cheeks scarcely less glowing than Danny's own, 
he might have glanced from Danny's short, clinging, golden curls to the waves of dusky, glossy, shining tendrils that caressed Ruth's cheek with every passing breeze, and refused to give an unqualified affirmative. Ruth caught sight of the bean-blower which had slipped from Danny's relaxed hand, then her glance took in the torn bits of paper. A puzzled frown ruffled her forehead, which slowly changed to dawning enlightenment. She drew a chair beneath the spotted portion of the ceiling and stood upon it to get a near view. Perfectly satisfied, she got carefully down, turned again toward the unconscious worker of mischief with a smile and a little gesture of enforced surrender. "'Butter wouldn't melt in his mouth,' she whispered. Slipping quietly out of the room, she ran down to the piazza to tell the pater and Richard and Mary, who had run over with the news that Nancy's hair was still blue in spite of a thorough scrubbing, and also to put in a word of conciliation for the much-loved Danny. End of chapter 15